We're going to jump right into the Word. In fact, I want you to turn in your Bibles if you've got one. You should have one with you. If you don't have a Bible, let us know. We will get you a Bible, or you can get your own. But but get a Bible. They are, they are, they are essential to your life as a believer. But open your Bible to the book of John, chapter 8. We talked a little bit about this last week, about uh, Jesus saying, you know, uh, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. And, and if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. Last week we talked about freedom from religion, that freedom from a religious spirit, which claims to set you free, but only brings you into further bondage. And today I want to talk to you be, about being free from the corpse, uh, that corpse that, that people drag around, that, that, that poison, which is sin, you know, being free from sin. Now there's two realities we got to talk about. We first need to talk about the reality of what Jesus did for you on the cross. That is the most important reality you're ever going to have to know is that Jesus died for you. And if you've received his free gift of salvation, if you've given your life to him, what's happened is, is that the death he died for you, he has now become your righteousness. That means righteousness means I am right with God. I am holy. I'm innocent in his sight. And so he became your righteousness because he became sin for you. He took your sin so that you could be righteous. That's the number one reality. The number two reality you got to be aware of is that because he has made me righteous by his blood, he has called me to live his way and live his life, which is a righteous life. And, and, and the Bible tells us we can serve righteousness or we can serve sin. That's still believers. We can still obey a sinful, dead nature, or we can obey a righteousness way of life. And, 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 and which one you choose is, is, is going to determine what kind of life you're, you're looking to, to live. Are you looking to be a follower of Jesus, uh, uh, used by him in a mighty way, or are you just content with going through life and, and saying, I'll see you in heaven? No, I want to live a life that's pleasing to God. I want to live a life that reflects the glory of God. And so maybe you've said that and you've struggled with like, how do I do enough? Last week we talked about how many imperatives there are in the New Testament and Paul's letters alone or the gospels alone, how many things to do there are. And if you just tried to do those on your own, you would fail miserably if you even got past the thought of attempting it. But thanks be to God through him, all things are possible. And as we walk with him, God is doing something inside you. The Bible says it is God who is at work within you, both to will, to will, and to do what pleases him. So he's working on your will and he's working on your doing. He's, he's working through you in both. He's working in your thought life and in your actions. And so I want to read you something in John chapter 8. Jesus was saying, this is verse 31, to the Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. It'll make you free. We said last week, that's a violent act. It, it's not just going to tell you about freedom. The truth will actually cause you to be free. Now listen, here's what he says. If you will continue in my word, if you will let this word be a part of you, if you let my words be in you and, and, and in your life and you shape your life around it, it's going to cause freedom in your life because you will know the truth. Listen, he doesn't say you'll know the truth if you hear my words. He says if you continue in my words, you'll know the truth. There's a difference between hearing the truth and getting to know the truth as a person. Jesus is the truth, right? 
And so he says, you'll know the truth. We know the truth by walking with him. You learn who he is. You learn who you are. You learn, I mean, there's, there's, there's a whole bunch of truths in life that you can't just learn by someone telling you. You have to walk it out. And he says, if you'll walk with me, you'll know the truth in every area. And the truth is going to make you free. And then here's what he says. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. I mean, I don't know what they're doing at, at Passover, right? When they're, when they're celebrating coming out of Egypt, did anybody mention to him that slavery, slavery might have been a part of that? But they say, we've never been enslaved to anyone. Okay, all right. Well, you're forgetting some history, but that's cool. Let's move on. We're forgetting Babylon, you know, any of that? Anyways, they say, we've never been slaves. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, or amen, amen, I say to you, Everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. What, what does that mean? It means you may not, you, you, whether or not you see yourself as a slave, if you keep doing something you don't want to do or you shouldn't do, that thing's got you. You're being a slave to it. You're serving something you shouldn't serve. So he says everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave doesn't remain in the house forever, but the son does remain forever. Listen to this. So if the son, that's Jesus, if the capital S son makes you free, you will be free indeed. You'll be really truly free. Now, how is he making you free? Well, he told you earlier, my words are going to free you. My words are going to set you free. Now, we know that what Jesus did on the cross was the ultimate act of your freedom. That, that, that was the power. That was, what, that was the, the deed that was done once and for all to set you free. But here's the deal. If you want to walk in that freedom every day, it is his word that's going to continue to set you free. Listen, let's be honest with each other. We, we are a church full of, of human beings. <laughs> We're not a church full of fully perfect people because the Bible tells us that, that we will never become perfect until we are, until we uh, leave this earth, until there is that, that when the perfect becomes perfect and we see face to face and we know as we're known, uh, in this life right here, you're not going to be perfect, but you are continually progressing towards his perfection. And you are, uh, thank God, righteous by the blood of Jesus. And so we are moving and growing and training in righteousness. I'm learning how to become more like Jesus every day. And the good news about that is, is that Jesus every day is showing me things that, that's, that, that maybe before I thought were just fine. But he's saying, I've actually got more for you today. I've got more for you to walk in. And if you'll receive it, I'll set you free from that. You didn't even know that was an issue, but I want to set you free from it. Because the Bible talks about us going from grace to grace, glory to glory, us moving further upward and in towards him. And and that's an exciting thing, not an intimidating thing. God is not going to drag you kicking and screaming into growth. He's inviting you into this relationship with him. And if you say yes, it's going to be day after day of growing closer to him, experiencing the joy of knowing him. And yes, knowing what it's like to be a true child of God. Because the Bible says if you're a real child of God, he's going to correct you. He's going to discipline you out of love. But he says if, he's, if you're not receiving any discipline, uh, then he says you're not, you're not a legitimate kid. You're not really his kid. Uh, the problem is when we hear discipline, we hear punishment. But discipline is not punishment. No, no, no. The root word of discipline is disciple, right? So discipline is not about punishment. It's about, it's about God 
training you to be more like him. When you go to the gym, those of you guys that work out, you are disciplining your body. When, when you train yourself to eat right, you are disciplining your body. What you're doing is you're doing something that may be uncomfortable at first because you want to grow, you want to get better. And so what God is doing, it's just like you're training up your kids. Listen, they, they may not have wanted to learn how to use the potty, but you know if you teach them to use the potty, it will be better for them. And so discipline is about really making us more like him every day. And he says, if you are walking and continuing in my word, you're truly disciples, right? You are being disciplined. My word is discipling you. It's funny how when I use the word discipling, it's a good word. When I use the word discipline, it's a bad word. It's the same stuff, right? So, so he says, if you're being disciplined, and, and the Bible says in Hebrews that no, dif- no discipline feels good at the moment. It, it, it's going to challenge your flesh, just like working out for the first, t- first day after uh, uh, the Christmas holidays. It, 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 for a minute, it, it, for a while, it does not feel good, but it yields good fruit. And here's what he says. He says, if you continue in my words, then you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. And then he says, if the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. What's interesting is he's telling you to continue in his words, but you continuing in his words is not about you making yourself free. He doesn't say, if you continue in my words, you'll make yourself free. He doesn't say, if you make yourself free, if you claw your way to freedom, you'll be free indeed. No, if he says, if the sun sets you free. So when we continue in the word of God, we grow in him. It is not about us doing the work. It is about us getting, getting uh, this word inside of us and grabbing onto the promises of God of the work that he's done and he's doing in us. Remember, it is God who is at work, it says in Philippians. It is God who is at work in you both to will and to do what he wants you to do. It's God who's doing the work and he wants to do it through you. So, hey, let me tell you a story of three different types of churches that, that, that we could be. You know, imagine a group of people that have been horribly mistreated. They've been made to work against their will. They've had shackles on them. Their clothes are battered and torn and, and gross. And, and let's just imagine that they have been ostracized and, and they've been seen as the problem. Maybe whoever, whoever enslaved them, whoever made them prisoners, uh, convinced the rest of the world that, that they deserved what, ha- what they got. And so let's just say that these people... Uh, got out of that, whatever that situation was, but, but they had these shackles still, shackles on their hands and shackles on their feet and, and, a, and a collar around their neck. And they stunk and, and they looked tattered. And they show up at a church because they've heard rumors that these churches have the means to set them free from these shackles. So they come to a church. And in that church, they hear music and the music is talking about freedom. And they're saying, the music is talking about shackles being uh, falling off. And, and, and they're going, this is the place. I, I mean, the songs are all about past tense. The shackles fell off a long time ago. But hey, I think they know how to help us. And so they come into that church. They hobble in. And immediately someone meets them at the door and says, oh, we don't have people like you in here. These are people who are free. You guys, you stay out. You're not welcome here. We know, we know who you people are. We know what you've done. We don't want you in here. And they say, but, but no, no, but we want to be like you. We want to be free. And they go, no, 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 I'm sorry. Because you know what? We know who you, they've, these, this church has created an us and them mentality. They've been filling up on news feeds. And, and so all they see is that these people are the people that are destroying the country. They're wrecking things and, and, and they're our enemies. And so they don't want them in the church. You know, you stay out. I'm sorry. It's not for you. You're probably filming us. Get out of here. 
So these people leave, hurt, rejected. Some of them will never go to a church again. They feel bitter about it. They, they say, if, those, if that's what church is like, I don't want it. But another group says, no, I'm going to give it another try. I, I don't think this is what church really should be. So they come to another church. And they hobble in and someone welcomes them and says, oh, hey, I see you've got, you, you guys are prisoners. Well, come on in. We, we love you. Come on in. You, you come on. You're welcome here. And they said, oh, we are? Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're welcome here. And, and so they come in and, and, and they're so glad to be welcomed in. And they say at some point, listen, we heard that you guys could help us with these uh, collars and shackles and, and our clothes. We heard that you, you guys know how to get us free. And the church says, oh, oh no, 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 no. You don't need that. Uh, those shackles are beautiful to us. Uh, we, 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 we don't, we don't want to make you feel like you have to change. No, in fact, we look at, we've got a whole group of people that have shackles on. We are fully accepting of shackles. In fact, we, we, we've got accessories you can put on them, little bows and, and look, I'm an Iron Man magnet. Um, you know, for your collar, you know, we, we look at, look at, look at the things we can do. We can put all sorts of things like, you know, we, we, don't worry. It, it's, it's okay. We are fully welcoming of that. We're, we're fully fine with that. And that, that smell, you know, listen, I personally, I like the smell, but if, if it bothers you, um, then, then we've got these perfumes and all these things, spray it up and, 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 and you know what? You, you'll smell better for a while. Don't worry about it. This is a shackle, uh, welcoming environment. It, it's, we, we are totally cool with it. In fact, We'd like you to talk to us, <laughs> you know, if you know what I'm saying. And these people go, well, no, I really want to be free. So they leave dejected because while that church welcomed them, they didn't really help them. They decide to give it one more try. They come to another church and they're a little wary. Maybe this church is going to kick them out or maybe this church really won't help them at all. But they come in and they, and they come in and, and, and immediately someone sees them and looks them in the eye and says, welcome here. Come, you can sit with me. And they say, but do, we're prisoners. Do these shackles bug you? And they go, no, in fact, we all have had shackles. Look, we've all had shackles on us before, but we don't have them anymore. And do you want to be free from those shackles? You know, you don't have to live the rest of your life with those things on. You don't have to live the rest of your life with that collar on. And imagine these people saying, finally, I, I, that's what I wanted to hear. I knew this wasn't right. And, and, and something about it told me I didn't have to be this way, but I just didn't know how to get it off. And they said, don't worry. We, we've, we know how to do this. We, we, uh, but it's not us. God's, God's shown us and God's doing a work in us. And, and this is why we can help you with this. Absolutely, you don't have to live with that anymore. And, and as the word is being preached that, they see these bolt cutters come out and they go, oh man, you, you guys got bolt cutters? And they say, yeah, here you go. And the, 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 one of the men says, but, but I can't hold the bolt cutter and cut my own shackles. I, I'm sorry, I'm, I, I'm struggling with it. And someone says, no, no, don't worry. Here in this place, we've gotten real good at helping each other with this. Let me hold the cutters for you. Hold your arms out. We've got lotion for your hands too because to, 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 I know they'll hurt. And, you know, we, we've got a way to do this where it's not gonna harm you. It'll just heal you. And we've gotten real good because we've all had to do this for each other. This is what we do. We're a family. And I see, that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. A church that, 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 that doesn't condemn. But sometimes 
in our effort not to condemn, because we, we don't want to get in that ditch, so we get way over here, we overcorrect and end up in the other ditch, because we don't want to be condemning like they were back there, and, and like so many, uh, so much of our Christian history, we've seen people turn to legalism and be, and, and you know, think that if we just are a little harsher on people, they'll be better, but it doesn't work, and, and so we've overcorrected, we come to the other side, and we say, well, we don't want to condemn people, and so in the, in the name of not condemning, we stop confronting the thing that's killing people. We can't stop confronting because we're afraid of condemning, but we can confront and correct in love. And so when we do that without rejecting people, but embracing them and bringing godly help and godly correction and bringing freedom to people and saying, listen, I accept you. You are not the shackles that are on you. You are not the chains. You are not defined by that, but you are defined by how Jesus defines you. And when Jesus says, if, you're, if he makes you free, you'll really be free. That's the church I want to belong to. I want to read you something in Romans chapter six, and I want to encourage you this summer to read the entire book of Romans. It's not that long, won't take you too long, but you could take your time and just savor it. Um, But read the entire book, because if I read one chapter of Romans, I got to be honest with you. One chapter of Romans by itself is not going to be near as good as reading all the chapters around it, because uh, when you read chapters one through five, chapter six makes a lot more sense. And when you read chapter seven to the end of the book, then, then chapter six gains whole new meaning. I want to tell you, read the whole book. But today I just want to read to you from chapter six. He's just finished saying that, that just as sin has reigned in death, that grace much more will reign in life. And he says, as sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Then he says in chapter six, what shall we say about that then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? He says, may it never be. That's dumb. Don't do that. Don't think that way. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death or fully immersed into his death? We died with him that day. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, listen to this, So we too, in the same power that resurrected Jesus, we too may walk in newness of life, in a resurrected life. That's what God's called you to is a newness of life, a life full of newness, a resurrected life, a life full of life. And it happens through the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's what he's called you to. Listen to this. He says, for if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, Certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, our old self was crucified with him. What what old self are we talking about? You know, that self that before he came to Jesus where you just did what you felt and and, and you could not truly overcome sin. Maybe you would have tried and, and maybe you would have gone through some programs or things to try to help you, but you could never get rid of that nature of sin. There was always the predilection to sin. There was always that bondage on you. He says that old self that was, that was born to sin, that old self has been crucified with Christ. And you know when you've been executed for a crime, you can't be executed for the same crime again. You have died with Jesus and And he says this, because you have died with Jesus, because you've died with him, it says, in order that our body of sin might be done away with 
so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Listen to that. We would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Or my Bible says, another way to translate that is, he who has died has been acquitted of sin. Hallelujah. You've been declared not guilty. You can no longer be tried for the crime that Jesus paid the price for. And so sin no longer has papers on you. Sin no longer has rights over you. In Hebrews, it says that Jesus stripped the devil of his power of death over you. And it says, so what's the power of death? It says when Jesus took flesh and blood for us and he died for us, he set us free from the one and he rendered powerless. I love that. He rendered powerless. This is Hebrews chapter two. Rendered powerless the one who had the power over death, uh, the power of death over you. How did the devil have the power of death? The power of death was that he was able to say the wages of sin is death, not physical death, spiritual death, a separation from God. Satan was able to say, you're guilty. God, they're guilty. They deserve to die. But when Jesus died that death for you, Satan no longer can accuse you with anything. He has lost his power of death. He is a prosecutor without evidence because you've been declared innocent before God. And so he says when he, set, when he did that, he set us free from the fear of death. And when we had the fear of death, we have been made slaves to that fear all our lives. Jesus set us free. So here he says that we have been freed from sin. We've been acquitted from sin. Now, if we've died with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is the master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. That means for everybody. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, in the same way, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. You got to continue to remember that that part of you that says, I just have to do it. I feel like I have to do it. I'm so tempted. I just got to do it. No, it doesn't have that power over you anymore. There's a greater power. This is what you need to hear. There is a greater power. God's power is greater. And a lot of times the reason it's such a struggle for us is because is not because the power of sin is so strong, but because we've forgotten how, how strong the power of God is. We've forgotten that the word of God is here to set us free. You know, every time that Jesus was tempted, when we see the three major temptations he was tempted with in the wilderness, now we know he was tempted with far more than just those three because he was tempted for 40 days. And the Bible says he was tempted with everything we've ever been tempted with. There's not one thing you've been tempted with that Jesus wasn't tempted with too. And he resisted it and he did not sin. But the three examples were given. He replies to every single one. He doesn't reply with, devil, you're a liar. He doesn't reply with, I don't have to listen to that. He rep- or, or I don't feel like doing that. He replies with, it is written. Here's what the word of God says. Because when you join yourselves to the word of God, you are joining yourself to God himself, the power of God. And when you speak the word of God, it has the authority of God. And so these commands are not just commands, they're promises. They are, they are God's way out for you. And when you, you say, just as Jesus said, when you know the truth, the truth will make you free. Nobody can make you a slave again. He says this, therefore don't, so he's talking about believers, because you've been set free from sin, 
once and for all. He says, because that's happened, don't let sin reign or rule in your physical body, your mortal body, so that you obey its lusts. How would sin rule in me? I'm, I'm free. Jesus set me free. He says, if, it start, if you obey it, if you do the things it's trying to get you to do, if you let your body run the show, listen, your body is not your master. Your, your feelings are not your master. They are your servants and they will serve God. But you got to remember, they don't have control over you. So he says, stop obeying its lust because that, it, when that happens, sin reigns in your body. It says, and don't go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God. Listen to that. He's saying, guys, if you've been set free from slavery, don't show up the next morning for work. If you've been set free, stop doing what it wants you to do. You don't have to live that life. That's not your life anymore. So he's, he's giving you some freedom and says, stop showing up for work. Don't, give your, don't let your body serve the devil. He says, instead, use your body as instruments of righteousness. Present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, listen to this, but under grace. Hallelujah, I'm not under the law, I'm under grace. And here's what he's telling you. He says, instead of using your body to to fulfill the things that you used to do and to to keep walking in slavery, he says, present it as as an instrument to righteousness, to God for righteousness. Here's the deal. Um, uh, The Bible teaches us over and over again. Here's, Here's something that will really help you. And, you know, the very, the very parts of you that are struggling, you know, the, you know, if your mind is, if you're just struggling with anxiety all the time, you know that just trying to tell yourself to stop thinking bad thoughts doesn't work. What the Bible tells you to do is instead think about these things. In Ephesians chapter four, when it talks about a thief, a career criminal, a career thief, he says, let the one who steals. So they had thieves getting saved and coming to church. And he says, let the one who steals stop stealing, but instead let him work with his hands so that he will have something to give and share with the one who has needs. So he says, Don't just say my hands are the problem. He says, make your hands the solution. Instead of stopping, don't just stop stealing. Start working, creating so that you have something to give. You are replacing the stealing with the giving. And in in doing so, your, your, your members like your hands and your feet, they stop working for the wrong team. They stop working as slaves and they start working as instruments of righteousness. You, you got to know something. This is going to set you free. If you realize that you are not just a human being trying not to do bad, you are a child of God created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared you for and he prepared them beforehand so that you would walk in them. You've been created for God's work. You are not just a wasted body. You are not just somebody trying not to get in trouble. You are someone looking for what God has next for you. And so start using your mind, your your body, start using your emotions, start using everything God gave you for the glory of God. And sin will totally be powerless against against that righteousness in your life. 
life. I want you to know that that doesn't mean you won't be tempted again. Listen, Peter was tempted when Jesus told him, you're going to deny me three times. And Jesus, uh, Peter said, no, Lord, that would never happen. I would die for you. Jesus said, it's going to happen, but don't worry, I'm praying for you. In other words, Peter, you're not going to get yourself out of this mess, but I'm praying for you that your faith wouldn't fail. Well, Peter did deny Jesus three times. Why did he deny Jesus? Did he deny Jesus um, out of pride? No, he didn't deny him out of pride. Did he deny him because he wanted out of greed? No, he denied Jesus because of fear, fear of people. And in doing so, he also became, he, he was victim to, to great hypocrisy because, you know, he said, I would never do that. And then he did. And, and he had to deal with that feeling of, I'm, I'm fearful, I'm a coward and a hypocrite. And Jesus forgave him and commissioned him into ministry. And on the day of Pentecost, he was filled with boldness and he was the first one to stand up in Jerusalem and preach the gospel. And I used to read that and said, once Peter got filled with the spirit, he didn't deal with fear anymore. He had boldness and didn't deal with fear. But you know what? I I was partly right, but not fully right because that spirit of God gave him the boldness to deal with that fear. That's absolutely right because God has not given you the spirit of timidity, but of love and a power of a sound mind. But I got to remember that Peter had to ask the, the church to pray for boldness after he was threatened. He still dealt with that. And then in Galatians, Paul said that Peter became fearful of a group of people within the church that were saying, you can't eat with Gentiles anymore. You can't associate with them because they're unclean. And the Bible says that Peter was fearful of that group and stopped eating with the Gentiles. And it says Barnabas also was carried away in this hypocrisy. So those same two, that fear and hypocrisy that Peter dealt with before he even got filled with the Spirit, he dealt with later in life fully in ministry as a mature believer. But Paul corrected him to his face and Peter received it. And Peter turned around and got on the right path again. And I want you to hear that so that you know that if you are fighting the same thing you fought before, it doesn't mean that your your redemption was fake. It doesn't mean that you didn't get rid of it the first time. It doesn't mean that something's wrong with you. It just means that you got the same enemy you've always had and you can overcome him today just like you overcame him yesterday. The same grace that was there for you yesterday is there for you today. So don't get discouraged because you're dealing with the same issues. The Bible says this, resist the devil. Actually, at first it says, submit yourself to God, then resist the devil and he will flee. Those two things are so important. Your whole Christian life is a life of resisting one thing and submitting to the other. Submitting to God, resisting the devil. Submitting to his word, resisting the lies. All of that, all of your life, you have to choose. What am I going to submit to? What am I going to resist? Before you had Jesus in your life, as hard as you tried to resist, you could never resist. But now you are saved. And when you submit to God, you can resist. And it says the devil will flee. He runs in terror from a believer who submitted to God. So we submit and we resist. Your freedom is, is there. We play a part in each other's freedom. The Bible says confess your sins to one another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. 
Listen, we don't confess our sins to one another so that God will forgive us. God's already forgiven you. We confess our sins to one another because when you get a brother or sister with you, praying for you, there's power in that. There's power in that agreement. And that shame goes away because you brought it into the light. You didn't let the enemy lie to you and say, you can't tell anybody about this. You see, that's a lie that's tied to self-justification. Last week, we talked about Romans 10, where it says that, that, that uh, Paul's friends, his, his, the Pharisees he grew up with, it says, my prayer for them is that they would be saved for seeking to establish their own righteousness. They don't subject themselves to the righteousness of God, which is by faith. Listen, what he's saying is they are failing because they are trying to self-justify. And one of the tools, one of the, the perversions of this is that, is that when we try to self-justify, we can't get rid of our sin because there's only one who can get rid of your sin and that's Jesus Christ. Only the blood of Jesus can cleanse you. Only the Lamb of God can take away the sins of the world. So what we have to do, if we can't get rid of our sin, if we want to self-justify, we have to justify our sin because it's like having a corpse chained to us. It's having a noxious, disgusting, giving off fumes, corpse chained to us that we're dragging around and we don't have the power. Without Jesus, you don't have the power to, let, to, to chop that chain off. And so you're dragging a corpse around. And so because you don't want to smell, you spray it with perfume. And because you don't want people to think that, that it's a corpse, you dress it up, put sunglasses and a shirt on it and you try to convince people it's your buddy, but it's not. So we have all these nice little flowery terms. Even, you know, we, we, we don't call it adultery. We call it an affair, like it's a nice day at the beach. We don't even call it an affair anymore. Now we could call it an entanglement, or, you know, and, 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 and we, can, we don't have to regret it. We can say we learned from it, you know, and, and maybe it was a nice thing. Or, or, or we don't call it, uh, you know, we don't call it greed or, or stealing. We call it just good business. You know, I don't call it pride. I call it self-esteem. You know, we, we, we have all these things that we know that that are chaining us but we have a choice either i let either i say i can't deal with this i have to trust god i have to i have to give this to the lord only he can free me or i say i'm good enough i can do this and we end up trying to justify the things we've done jesus died for your justification he did not die to justify your sin he came to take your sin and justify you here's the thing if i really buy into that if I really believe in the grace of God, if I really believe in the power of the cross and the blood of Jesus, I can call lust, lust. I can call adultery, adultery. I can call pride, pride. I can call greed, greed. I can call all those things by their name because they're not part of me. That's not who I am. I can call it greed and say, I'm not a greedy person. I'm a saint. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I've repented. I've moved forward. And that, is not, that has been removed from me. I'm cleansed from that. And you might say, woo, that sounds hypocritical. No, it's not. It's believing in the power of the blood of Jesus. What would be hypocritical is for you to say, I've never struggled with greed. I've never dealt with it. Sure you have, but you've been set free. Listen. If we believe in the blood of Jesus like we say we do, we can call it what it is because as long as you baby it, it'll stay in your house. Stop making friends with these things. Stop dressing them up in little doll clothes. Kick it out in the power of God. I want you to know you can be free. And whom the sun sets free is free indeed.
Don't drag the corpse around. Get free from the corpse. Chop it right off. Stop spraying perfume on it. Stop dressing it up. Get it out of your house and just say, no, I want to be free. Be bold enough to bring other believers into it and say, listen, I know what the Bible says. I know the word says I can be free. I want you to join with me. I want you guys to join with me. We're together in this. And you pray for me that, 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 that just like Jesus prayed for Peter, that my faith would be strong. You know, I know we can do this together. There's power in agreement. When you do that, the devil has no power of shame over you. And if he doesn't have shame, if he doesn't have guilt, if he doesn't have condemnation, if, he, if you won't believe his lies, if you don't let those things define you, if you let God define you, you've just rendered, you've just exposed the lie of the enemy, you've just exposed him for the powerless just creature he is. And he's not powerless because you made him powerless. He's powerless because Jesus stripped him of his power that day on the cross. I want you to know that the power of resurrection is big enough for you. And if there's anything you're struggling with, it is not a sin to struggle and fight. It is not a sin to be tempted. Every believer will fight. You resist, but first submit to God. And I want you to know, it's not about you getting free. It's about God. It's about Jesus setting you free. It's about his word causing freedom in your life. If you will believe every time you see a prom- every time you see a command, you see a promise. Every time you see God saying, hey, listen, you can be free from this. You take it as a promise. You take it. Here's how you need to hear it. He can set me free from this. God can set me free from this. Don't hear, I need to stop doing this. You can hear that, but that alone won't, won't set you free. You need to hear it this way. Not just, I need to stop doing this. You need to hear, Jesus can set me free from this. And I'm going to press into that freedom. I'm going to believe him. So you respond to the devil. It is written. Watch him run away. Amen.